Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, y'all. I'm Allie Spears, and this is Ag Chicks, where we dig deep with the women who are helping to feed the world. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Ag Chicks. This is episode nine with your host, Allie, and I just want to start off by saying thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that you are enjoying season two. I have had an absolute blast talking to all of my guests and pushing myself personally to really step out of my box and do these solo episodes every other week. I know I kind of cheated the week before last by having my mom join me, but I thought that that really added to my story and gave you an understanding of where I come from, where my family comes from, how connected and deep, I guess you could say, my roots really are when it comes to agriculture the Western way of life, and maybe hopefully gives you a little bit of insight to why I'm so passionate about this industry and this way of life and the people involved in it and those helping to truly feed the world. But today, I want to get it more into where I'm at personally right now when it comes to agriculture and a little bit about kind of my future plans and hopes. Now, if anything, the past year and a half have taught me that uh, plans do not always go as they are laid out. And it's best to be flexible because, or you really never know what's coming up and what could happen, uh, cough, cough, COVID. And I think just the trials and tribulations that we've all experienced over the past year and a half, and I think even continue to experience, have probably helped everyone kind of realize that, you know, it's really important to take advantage of the moments that matter and really figure out what does matter to you and yourself and your family and really focus in on that, especially during times of craziness. But I also think it's really important to notice and note that just because there is craziness going on in the world around us, that doesn't mean that life stops. Although it may have felt like life stopped when we were quarantining and masked and all of that craziness that has occurred the past couple months. Um, if you really think about it, the, the general necessities of life have not really ended, um, especially for those who are involved in the agricultural industry and uh, are a part of feeding the United States and the world, those people have not stopped, have not, you know, taken a break. And if anything, those people have put in extra hours and longer days and added stress of everything just because of the way the world has happened and the way that everything has reacted and the kind of spiral and chain effect of all of that. But this episode is not about COVID And it is, if anything, just to help reinforce that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and hopefully we are all moving towards that and moving back towards normal life. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode, episode nine of Ag Chicks. And again, thanks for joining me. So my mom divulged my dark past of 
how we really got started in agriculture and how it was a multi-generational, um, I guess, lineage that you could say that our family goes back. So we talked a lot about my mom's side and a little bit about my dad's, but both sides very heavily involved in agriculture. Um, I'd say my dad's side probably skipped a generation, but still connected, um, obviously, as far as where we are today as a family and kind of our roots and connections and all of that kind of stuff. But that being said, so my mom talked about how my dad is um, kind of a doer of big things. When he gets an idea, he doesn't do it small. He does it big. And so we were um, put into the cattle business, and that's kind of where my love for cattle started and grew. Um, But even further back, I know my mom talked about how they raised pigs when I was younger. Um, And I do have memories of you know, the pig farm. And I had a pig named Blue Butt that I remember, like I can vividly remember riding him around the backyard. Like that's such a weird memory, but I can definitely remember him. Um, And just that whole aspect of my childhood. And I think personally, I have taken for granted the way I was raised and the way or maybe the experiences that I was afforded because of how connected my family was to agriculture and the fact that it was, I mean, my, my dad's livelihood. And, um, we were fortunate enough to have our cattle business as well. Um, really kind of starting as a hobby, but as a lot of people in the cattle business know, hobbies start and then they grow into full-blown businesses and, uh, attention grabbing and controlling aspects. So, the cattle business really started as a hobby for my dad and um, is really where I fell in love with agriculture, ranching, farming, all of the things that come with cattle. So I remember at nine years old, my dad telling me, hey, Al, do you want to show cows? And I was kind of like, yeah, sure. You know, whatever the heck that means. Nine-year-old Allie, not really sure of what she's getting herself into. So Little did I know, I'm pretty sure my dad had already bought a show heifer for me and we were already set to go uh, show at a show in Plymouth, California. So anyways, I remember driving up to the um, stockyard, or not stockyards, but the um, fairgrounds and my dad saying, okay, like we're going to, sh- you're going to show a Hereford heifer um, and that's going to be your first heifer. And so you know, again, that didn't really mean a whole lot to me at nine years old. All I knew was I was going to get to hang out with a cow all day. And I was pretty pumped about that. So we walk into the barn. Um, I meet the family that we bought the heifer from and kind of who became our show family, our show partners, I guess you could say. My dad, um, grew up in livestock. My mom grew up in life, had livestock backgrounds, but we, neither, neither one of them had very strong like livestock showing backgrounds as far as you know big time traveling all over the place they kind of participated in county shows but nothing huge like we were about to embark on Um, and looking back I don't know if we all really realized that was the journey we were getting into but again one of those experiences that looking back I would have never traded I think how we interacted as a family and how close we are as a family 
does come from our, you know, long hours in the barn together, traveling long car rides with a trailer and um, loading and unloading and all of the different things that go into showing livestock, the time spent together, getting animals ready for shows and um, feeding and all of the craziness that goes into it. I would not trade for the world. I think it really formed me into the person I am today because of those experiences that I had. And again, really kind of helped foster the passion that I have for the industry and the people in the industry as well. But I'm getting a little bit off topic here. So anyways, so my dad bought me a Hereford heifer. And again, didn't really know what the heck Herefords were, except that when I walked up and I realized that she was not black, like all of our cows at home, I was kind of like, okay, why does like, why is it not an Angus heifer? And I'm pretty sure my dad told me something along the lines of, oh, you know, they're just a little bit gentler for your first show heifer. And that's kind of why we're probably going to get into Herefords, um, you know, as you kind of start to show. Which was probably true, but now knowing the things I know, um, it was also a heck of a lot cheaper to show Hereford heifers at that point in time than it was to show Angus heifers. So um, that's probably one of the other reasons that we got involved in the Hereford industry as our starting introduction into showing cattle. But my first show heifer, her name was Dixie. Um, She was, uh, I mean, I thought she was, you know, the best thing since sliced bread and I'll never forget I had consecutively been third in probably about the first four shows that we went to and even as nine-year-old Allie I was extremely competitive and I still have that very strong competitive streak in me but I remember walking out of the ring and telling my dad dad I don't know what we have to do but I am not going to be third anymore I want to win and from that day forward all bets were off. We were committed. We were in. We were going to be, um, you know, and <laughs> we kind of joke about it now, but I remember saying, you know, it's just as fun to win or you're putting in just, you're putting in the same effort and the same work um, to be third as you are to win. And obviously now I know that there's a whole heck of a lot more than that uh, to winning and the time, the money, the effort and all that. But I just, I have to laugh at nine-year-old Allie, you know, being, being done with being third. And so that's where our, you may call it sick obsession with showing cattle started. And from there I got an Angus heifer and then we got into the mains. Um, but I pretty much stayed on the heifer side of things with the exception of a steer here and there for just like our county show. Um, and then I also showed, uh, sheep a few times um actually let me rephrase that I showed sheep one time at our county fair and we (laughs) I walked in the ring and my lamb decided that it was time to prolapse in the middle of the ring and me again being competitive and not gonna take not winning as a um I wasn't gonna basically I wasn't gonna lose because my lamb was prolapsing in the ring so I just put my hand back there and shoved it back in and went about our way. And I walked out of the ring, handed the lamb to my dad. And I said, well, I'm glad we did this. It was fun. Don't ever have to worry about showing sheep again. And that was kind of the end of my sheep showman adventure um, until I think it was maybe my junior or senior year. I decided I wanted to do it one more time um, 
because I was reserve, I think, that year. And I wanted to, I had a goal of winning every species my last year. So that was what we did. And I also showed pigs every year. Um, we, the only thing I never showed was goats, which I think my brother and now my parents have made up for that. And the fact that now they have a whole barn full of show goats. Um, but yeah, so that's where, how it all kind of began as far as my showing side of things. Um, and from there, you know, we started at just kind of shows around the state and then California is set up very differently from like Texas, for example. So Texas, if you're not familiar with the livestock show industry in Texas, they have majors and those are like the major, (laughs) play on words there, right? The major shows that everybody goes to. So like Houston, San Antonio, Austin, and State Fair. So those are like the big ones that pretty much everyone goes to. Um, whereas California was really more of like a jackpot state. So we were at jackpots pretty much every single weekend. There are jackpots that happen in Texas as well. Um, but it's just, it's more, everyone's gearing up for the majors type situation. Um, also steers are, uh, very big in Texas and they're big in California too. Don't get me wrong, but we never really ventured into that except for my senior year. Um, which was probably a good thing because we were very hooked into the steer deal once we kind of got into it and figured it out. So that probably would have been another uh, (laughs) deadly obsession as far as, or not deadly, but a toxic obsession as far as the way we kind of did things um, if we would have been very hardcore in the steers for my entire tenure of showing. However, one thing that we always kind of talked about in said, and this is absolutely nothing against people who show steers. I think it's, honestly, if you have youth involved in the livestock industry, you're doing something right in my book. But for us, the way our operation was on, you know, the non-show side of things, it just didn't make sense for us to have cattle that we could not use in production and spend all that money and um, all that effort on something that we couldn't necessarily put back into our breeding program. Again, absolutely nothing against steers. Love them. I think that's another really cool aspect of the livestock showing industry, a big part of it too. Um, but that just wasn't really where where we decided to spend our time and money, um, which was probably good because we were doing it in other ways. And please, as I'm talking about this, don't think like, oh, they must have just been loaded, you know, to be able to do all that. Uh, my parents are very hardworking and never it was never something where money was the the topic of discussion in fact if my dad listens to this he'll probably be dying that I'm even going this step deep into the money aspect but for those of you who are not familiar with the livestock industry it is a very expensive hobby I mean it's just like your kid being on the top you know travel baseball team having to go all the places the hotels the gas the food like same kind of deal and um, that's probably my my biggest um comparison which my dad would probably even say he spent way more on me showing livestock than he ever did on my brother with all his sports um but it's a big investment and it's a big time investment and our family vacations were livestock shows and that's just kind of what we did if we were not at a um, baseball game or a basketball game or a soccer game, we were probably at a livestock show, sometimes doing both and or all of the above in all of the same weekend. So 
it was a family ordeal, a family event for sure. And I'm so glad again that I was afforded that way of growing up and being able to have those experiences. And, you know, as I'm getting older and in a more serious relationship and kind of looking towards the future, those conversations have definitely been important to me as I move forward in my personal future, just in the fact that I want to be able to afford my kids that same type of experience and be able to instill in them those values that I got from 4-H, FFA, livestock showing, um, just the responsibility of, you know, the animals eat before you do, you need to wash them, you need to dry them, you need to check on them, um, you know, just the fact that that's, that animal is depending and dependent on you was such an important life lesson um, that I learned throughout that entire process and I think has made me again I think I said this in the beginning but has made me look at life a lot in a lot different light than maybe some of my peers who have were not able to have those experiences so again I I think I, I take it for granted in some ways but I also as I get older and as I start to think of my future and, you know, kids and all that kind of stuff, I have a lot greater appreciation of what my parents did to allow us to be able to, to do that kind of thing. Now I do just want to quickly, uh, mess. I do quickly want to mention our sponsor and thanked. I want to give a quick shout out to hooked AF and thank them for being a sponsor of Ag Chicks. Anna is somebody that I personally know and I'm so glad to be working with her, um, not only through her continued support of Ag Chicks and my personal journey, but also watch her grow as a very strong boss babe entrepreneur in the world of Western fashion and influencing and also business. So Anna does business retreats. She has one coming up and then Her latest venture includes Ranch Hand, Your Ranch in Your Hand, which is her latest app that will be launching on August 16th. So if you are someone involved in the cattle industry, you are definitely going to want to bookmark that date because this app is going to change the way you manage your cattle and your herd and just make everything more streamlined and efficient. Thanks again, Anna, for all your support. But to pick back up on the topic of livestock, I know I just mentioned that as I grow or as I grow older, (laughs) at my ripe age of 25. But as I am starting to establish my roots more here in Texas, that was a fear of mine, knowing that I am leaving, you know, my family's ranch and farm in California and gonna have to kind of do things on my own as I start over here in California, or not in California, in Texas. Now, it's been good for me because I needed that independence, I think, to be able to do my own thing. But it has also been a serious fear of mine. And that's something that I think we don't really talk about. Um, I think that we're seeing a lot of young individuals leave their family farms to go, you know, try out, uh, or I shouldn't say try out, to go do their own thing. Um, Now, I'd say probably a lot of them also end up back on the farm because I think that's just the way agriculture is. I think that once it's in your blood, for the most part, you really can't get away from it. But it's something that is scary knowing that you're leaving everything behind that you thought you would 
get one day or you would take over and manage. And so as I do move forward and I do start to kind of make an established life for myself here in Texas, that has been something that as, um, you know, first of all, a young woman in agriculture being taken seriously, obviously, when you talk to a, a cattleman here or um, another producer, which in my experiences here, everyone has been very helpful and positive. Uh, but again, you know, I have three heifers and that's not something that is, first of all, should be taken lightly because three heifers is three heifers and they eat and need all the same care that 300 heifers need. Um, just obviously on a a much smaller scale, but the fact of knowing like, if this is something that I want to do, and if I want to be involved in the livestock industry again, like it's, it's on my own, which thankfully I have a very supportive parent. I have very supportive parents and dad who, uh, you know, I'm constantly on the phone with as far as like, what should I be vaccinating for this? And what do I need to do for this? And we're going to breed this far out. You know, how should I start planning, engaging, Um, and so that obviously helps, but it's something that is a challenge as I move forward. And again, obviously, thankfully I have a significant other who's been very on board. We had a conversation when we, oh, let's see, probably about a year and a half ago, right before Willow came into our lives, which I think Willow was kind of a, ha ha, think again, if you're not going to have cows, um, situation to my boyfriend, But there was a conversation where I said, you know, my dad, um, he has saved the cows for me. And that's kind of been something that we've always talked about would be mine. And I would take over when I was ready. Obviously, being in Texas adds a whole new layer to that. But Ty, um, he didn't say no, but he just was kind of like, okay, well, we'll talk about it, you know, when we kind of get to that point. Well, (laughs) once Willow came into the equation and I, I was, I think, a lot more honest about my seriousness of wanting to have cattle here, uh, Ty definitely bought in and we, I got two more heifers pretty quickly after that. And now he is very much into them as well. Um, so that has been very (laughs) helpful. And honestly, I couldn't do it without him either just from a, a support system type of role that he's played either. Um, but it's, it takes a team, it takes a village now, but with that being said too, I think, but my point in saying all that is just because things did not go according to my plan of I'll go to college, I'll come back to California, I'll take over the cows and I'll have a job, you know, just because it didn't go like that doesn't mean that I still can't do those things. And I think sometimes we get really caught up in, oh my gosh, I'm not at this milestone in this point in my life or I didn't accomplish this or whatever the heck it may be, you can still do the things you want to do. And the only person putting limits on your, on what you're capable of doing is really yourself. So if there's something that you are wanting to do and you're struggling with how to get there, maybe just take a minute, take a deep breath, and then write it down. Write down whatever it is that you may want to do. And for me, I mean, I'm no life coach, but for me, just having it on paper is like my way of manifesting that it will happen and it will be something that eventually occurs. I was, we're in the process of moving 
three houses right now. Um, so I've been going through a lot of my old stuff and I found a notebook from junior year of college where I had written down, you know, five-year plan, have cows, have, um, you know, X, Y, and Z. And for the most part, I'm doing a lot of the stuff I had written down. It looks absolutely nothing like what I had envisioned and what I pictured it to be, but it's still the same thing. Um, and just because it may look different doesn't mean that it doesn't have the same value. So before I ramble any longer today, I want to leave you with that message and that thought. And again, thank you for your continued support as we progress through season two. And I can't wait for you guys to hear some of the guests that we have uh, to follow and to finish out the season. So thanks and have a great rest of your day. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Ag Chicks. Don't forget to follow along on social media at Ag Chicks on Instagram and Facebook and that every episode has a visual version on YouTube on the Ag Chicks channel.